Nothing like it, folks. 1998, dead and in the ground. Michigan State, the foe to be reckoned with no more. Ohio State makes its way up to East Lansing last Saturday. And uh, let's just say this is Sparta as a thing of the past. The Buckeyes wipe the floor with the Michigan State Spartans. Nothing to worry about. At no point in the game were you really concerned. A touchdown given up early by C.J. Stroud on uh, maybe trying to get a little too little too carried away, a little too fancy with it right in the beginning. Uh, handed Michigan State a pick six, spotting them seven points. It, other than that, it's all Buckeyes the rest of the way. Ohio State finishes the game 49-20 over those Michigan State Spartans in a game that wasn't as close as it looks on paper. Here with me to start breaking down uh, this next week. We're coming off of the bye week, the rest week, whatever you want to call it. I saw some very funny arguments online about what you're allowed to call the, the week that Ohio State takes a break in the season. Um, for intents and purposes, I think we call it the bye week with me now, as always. Uh, coming off of a giant harvest day out there in God's Country, Israel Township, Preble County. Uh, just got a big belly full of dinner over at Grandma's house. Adam Vonderhaar. Joining me on the podcast, Adam, how we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, Grandma ser served us her classic homemade chicken tenders, which is always great. Baked in uh, pancake batter, I think, is the breading she uses. Now, the spinach salad to begin with, the best by date on the dressing was June 6th on both the <laughs> ranch and the uh, Thousand Island. And when confronted, she said, I knew you were going to say something. It's fine. <laughs> so... We ate it, and uh, if I have to bail off the podcast early, uh, those listeners just know uh, every listen meant a lot. Just so. pulling the curtain back a little bit, Grandma Rita, Rita Vonderhart, an avid listener, Adam. She gave you a little input uh, on the podcast today. What do you have to say? Yeah, she's an uh, avid listener, Rita, Grandma Rita. She said she tells all of her church friends about the podcast, and none of them respond or say anything about it. So I don't think they uh, gave it a shot, but... <laughs> If they did, uh, maybe not their cup of tea. It's a little niche, but I appreciate the advertising from Grandma. Adam, I will say just to pull the curtain back, I've been I've been deep diving. I got I'm head deep in the in the analytics, you know, the podcast, looking through our listens, looking at you know major demographics, you know, where are we having you know crazy success, especially you know in several uh, different populations within Buckeye Nation, and that 80 plus crowd. I mean. They, they tune in for a second. You know, they'll listen to an episode, but, man, you cannot count on them to keep food on the table revenue-wise. I mean, they are not repeat listeners. Um, you know, they're the, the, they grew up with Paul Harvey, Adam, and we're, we're doing our best to try and provide, a you know, a nice experience, a good listener-quality experience here on the podcast. But, you know, you can't please everybody. With that, Grandma Rita, thank you for listening. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep putting content out for you, if nothing else. Adam, what else do you have on that? Just one last from Paul, just um, so God made a podcaster. That's all I got. So. And a farmer. I think we heard that back in high school at some point. Um, joining us this week, we're going to get right into it coming off of uh, the bye week. We don't have a ton more to say about the Michigan State game other than the Buckeyes did. Really what, what you'd expect them to do against an out-of-conference opponent and a, against most of our West Divisional opponents. But, no, they did it against Big Bad, Big Bad Sparty. And I think that tells you two things. One, I think this Ohio State team is a little bit different 
than the last few years. And two, that Michigan State team is a lot a bit different than many Michigan State teams uh, that have that have played up there in East Lansing over the last 10 years. So all that to say, we turn the page, we look down the road, coming traveling all the way out from Iowa. Uh, we've got the Hawkeyes coming to down, led by Kirk Ferentz. And uh, a little bit of a kind of a father-son operation, Adam. I mean, not to point it back to the uh, the farm setup again, but just like we, we saw Big Al walked in the picture right before we hit the recording uh, tonight. But, yeah, Kirk and Brian out there in Iowa, Adam and Allen there in Preble County. I mean, very similar operations, maybe some different output, some different success by the sons um, in, in each of those operations. Adam, anything else to say just real quick about nepotism? Oh, just, you know, that is good for an Iowa program to be just following that, you know, farm family, you know, son, father, that legacy type structure. Um, I'd say some days I feel like Kirk, some days I feel like his son. Um, his son's kind of like if I'm using a consigner on the grain leg and I put the soybeans in the corn bin, you know, that's kind of that situation, how that translates. <laughs> But uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to that. Like doing things that should never be done. That's kind of the That's for the right. for the non-ag folks listening in, maybe to the podcast. Um, joining us today, we brought it. We've got an expert here joining us out there from Conrad, Iowa, originally from New Philadelphia. Met him here at Ohio State. He's a Buckeye through and through. Currently working as a field sales manager out at Mid Iowa Cooperative. He's an expert on Ohio State football, but even more than that, surrounded by a number of Hawkeye fans. Uh, out there, you know, in the land of black and gold, Jacob Triplett uh, joining us on the podcast for the first time. First time guest, Jacob, how are you I'm doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, kind of a common question we like to introduce uh, when we when we have guests come on the podcast, Jake. Just just give the audience, give us a little bit. You know, tell us about how you got into Buckeye football. You know, did you grow up rooting for them? Do you have any any memories maybe that stand out? Just uh, time to grew share. up rooting for them. Uh, neither neither my mom nor my dad went to Ohio State, but um, definitely on mom's side came from an Ohio State family. Had some relatives that. Went there, played soccer there. Um, Mom had a cousin that was in the marching band, and from the time I could walk, uh, always been an Ohio State fan. And we were actually going through my my child book of you know parents write down what their kid wants to be when they grow up, and yada yada yada. And there was a point in time in my career where you know I thought it was just as cool to be in the marching band as it was to be on the football team at Ohio State. So I decided early on that I was going to go to Ohio State and uh, figured I'd be there four years. So I was going to play in the marching band for two years and play football for two years. Um, split the time. Wasn't sure how that was going to work. Uh, needless to say, none of those things happened. But uh, but happy and blessed to be able to go to that university and, and root for this football team. Many times in my life, I've been split with indecision. And, and probably you just got the campus and you were like, man, two perfect options right in front of me. Why don't I just be a fan of both? I know that's the decision I made uh, going to Ohio State. But Triplett is a, a great guy. Adam and I known him a long time. Really, really good buddy and, and just a guy that we enjoy rooting on the Buckeyes with. Definitely lots of good times from back in college. Now, Adam had the idea this week to ask uh, Triplett on when I believe Jake reached out to Adam to make sure that we – maybe gave Iowa fans or the Iowa team as a whole a bit of a hard time. Um, Jake living as a, what, a transplant, you might call it, you know, a Buckeye planted out there in Iowa amongst the corn, um, you know, probably gets a little bit of guff from time to time. I'm sure people have brought it up in the past, uh, a game that took place 
out in Kinnick Stadium back in 2017. Um, that's probably something you have had to live with. Do you have any kind of uh, – is I guess, is that true? And, and if so, you know, give us some examples of some some – some some words that have been used against you. It, as a it's very fan. true, and as a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I were still living in Ohio at the time, and we went to the game. Um, thought it would be a good idea to give my father-in-law a ticket to that game for his birthday. Shout out uh, my father-in-law, Heath Reinhardt. Um, so went to that game, thought, oh, it'll be a great weekend, time with family, get to watch some Buckeye football, and uh, boy, was I wrong. I uh, walked into the stadium, and the first the first glimpse of the field was JT Barrett throwing the pick six, the first of his four interceptions for that game, uh, and it was just kind of a downward spiral from there. Um, still hear about it to this day, and, and if you look through uh, my wife and I's wedding book, there's a number of places in our wedding book where the guests signed that they also wrote the score to that game. <laughs> that's that's 55-24, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, yeah, still, That's still awful. living this, still living that one down, but uh, looking to, looking to make a comeback from that this weekend. My goodness, for the folks at home, just to pull the curtain back again, I didn't, I, I think I may have known that in the back of my head, but I totally forgot that Jake was at that game, let alone with his, what, well, future father-in-law yep, yep. at that time, right? But what, what an experience! My, to have. We, we left Sunday, and you know it was a it was a night game, so it got over late. We went went back to the hotel, went to bed, and woke up the next morning to drive back to Ohio. And we got in the car, and and Sarah looked at me, and I knew she just had something to say. I'm like, just save it, save it. <laughs> and we were we were a good ways into Illinois before there was words shared between the two of us. I was still steaming about it a little bit. How could you not be? And then you got the drive back. At that point, I'm saying, hey. You're driving. Hey, good game. That's exactly the right. That's the only thing that made that game bearable was there was a there was a group of Ohio State fans right in front of us, the row right in front of us, and and they they were good sports. They were they were a blast, and we we had a great time there. Um, but yeah, that's that's a memory that I'd like to forget. Um, not try not to think about that one too much. I mean that's just one I and and I can say that I the, the year after you know we kind of have that those two nightmare seasons back to back with these crazy losses you know in the regular season the one over there in Kinnick obviously with Kirk and Iowa and you know JT just forgetting how to throw the ball at all you know how to take care of it and then a year later you know the offense has totally changed we've got this Dwayne Haskins young gunslinger quarterback he's lighting the league on fire we take that trip out to West Lafayette and Purdue, and they got this guy, Travis Trent, think or Tyler Trent, I think was his name. Huge Purdue fan, great storyline going into it. But, man, that ball got kicked off, and, and you just felt something different in the stadium that day. And it really seems like maybe just a similar experience out there with Iowa. Now, the good news for you Buckeye fans at home, folks planning to come to Columbus to see the game on Saturday, maybe the bad news for any Iowa fans joining to listen to the podcast this week, is that this is a completely different Ohio State team, and that is a completely different Iowa team. And to get into things, I want to break a few numbers down on the podcast for everybody. Um, I don't think I am surprising anyone when I say this. I mean, if you haven't watched any college football this year, you might not be aware of it. Uh, but the offense that Iowa is running right now as a team, I don't. I think that you could say that is it is offensive. Uh, to the word offense and maybe the idea of trying to score points while you're on a football team. Um, Iowa's rushing offense right now is ranked 127th uh, in the nation. 
And that's okay because their passing defense really makes up for it at 120th uh, at, at passing. So they can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. And, and how can they score? They're doing okay scoring offense. Nope, 127th again, uh, averaging about 14.5 points a game. Um, Adam, if Kirk's walking into the – Kirk Ferentz is walking into the horseshoe on Saturday, um, you know, pr- uh, pretty much planning on his offense to score 14 points – um, how do you think the game is going to go for the Hawkeyes? Just a gut reaction. Um, I think he thinks he can hold Ohio State to 14.6 a game, you know, on Saturday because they'll do 14.7. I think they'll probably turn out okay, get a couple turnovers, you know, uh, just keep everything on the ground. I think it'll be all right. Yeah, that's that's the good news for the Hawkeyes, that the defense is nearly outscoring the offense. Uh, they're getting turnovers just about every week. I don't think they're leading in turnovers in the conference, but that's really where the majority of the points have come from this year. Um, Adam and I joked about it kind of earlier on in the podcast, but a unique storyline coming into Saturday is that it, it that it's not really a joke. Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian Ferentz, is in charge of the offense. Um, <laughs> we had a situation here at Ohio State a few years ago. Urban Meyer, maybe you've heard of him, uh, Fox analyst right now on Fox Sports, retired Jaguars head coach in the NFL um, spent some time here as a head coach at Ohio State. He was accused of, I don't know if you'd call it nepotism because it wasn't a family member, but there for a few years at the end of Urban's tenure, we had some real issues at the linebacker position. I don't know if you can re- rewind the clocks to remember, you know, just how bad those last couple defenses were. And we look at the linebacker coach, and it's this guy, Bill Davis. Okay, if you head over to the old Wikipedia or Google, uh, you might be able to pull some pictures up of Bill, who was Urban's best man in his wedding. Uh, so just as an example, you know, of maybe a coach that maybe he's not, you know, performing up to snuff, uh, but a personal relationship with the head coach can, can leave you on the staff for quite a long time. And it seems to be the case out there in Iowa with Brian and Kirk. Um, I mean, Jake, do, do Iowa fans like, is that a topic? Are people concerned about it? Like, does it seem like maybe there's a change to oh, be made? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, coming off of last year, they, they, they made it to the big 10 championship and obviously got got hit in the face with a very, very tough Michigan Wolverine team. Uh, but, but nonetheless, still a good season finishing at 10 and three. And, and I think they had a lot of those same expectations coming into this year. Not a lot of loss on really either side of the ball from last year to this year. Um, so came in expecting, I think a similar outcome. And, and we saw that from the get go uh, week one against, I think it was South Dakota state. One of the most just lopsided scoring games of all time. Um, and, and still that continued through the season. So there, we're six weeks in now. And I think some of the same questions remain is, you know, when, when are they going to make a change? You know, early on in the season, you know, Spencer Petrus didn't have the greatest showing, you know, the question came around, well, when are they going to give Alex Padilla a shot? He came in last year, uh, when Petrus was unavailable for a couple games and did a nice job. Uh, so when are we going to give him a shot? And they, they doubled down and said, no, Spencer Petrus is our guy. We're, we're putting our faith in him. And, I guess if you're Spencer Petrus, you feel pretty good about that. Um, but here we are six weeks into the season, and, and another stat, I think, when you're comparing quarterbacks, on, on one more throw, Spencer Petrus has thrown <laughs> for 800 less yards than C.J. Stroud. 160 attempts to 161 <laughs> attempts, 800 yards, and 22 touch, passing touchdown difference between the two. So I, I guess – to an extent, I understand, but we're to the point now where I think something needs to change. 
And I think that comes both at the quarterback position and at the offensive coordinator spot. Very fair. Um, you know, another storyline go or a, a thing to keep in mind, both of these teams coming off of a bye week, you know, a matched up bye week uh, heading into Saturday. So you're going to get a fresh look and hopefully a healthy, uh, you know, both both teams healthy walking into the stadium, you know, to give it their best shot. Now, the bad news, I would say, for Iowa is that Ohio State hasn't been at full strength uh, for much of this season. What many people would consider the number one wide receiver entering the 2022 college football season in Jackson, Smith, and Jigba hasn't played a full game for the Buckeyes. In fact, has probably, you know, in total played about two quarters um, through the first six games. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba is very much expected to be back on the field on Saturday. And with it, he finds a wide receiver room that has had no problem making a name for themselves with him off the field. So add Jack, JSN. We'll just do that so that I don't have to keep tripping over the syllables. JSN finds himself back on the field with Marvin Harrison Jr., who, by the way, just broke Joey Galloway's all-time Ohio State record for, of multiple touchdown receiving games. Uh, hey, pretty good. And then Igmeka Mbuka, who's only a top five receiver leading the, the, uh, <laughs> leading the nation in yards uh, receiving right now. So Jackson Smith comes back. Um, I mentioned it there you know, earlier. We talk about Iowa and their calling card is their defense. We're not surprised, you know, nobody's surprised by that. They uh, squeak a loss out in Champaign last, or two weeks ago, excuse me, against the like totally newly branded fighting Illini <laughs> that are actually playing pretty well under Brett Bielman this year. Uh, Bielman wins that game 9-6 in a game of field goals, a very defensive, you know, <laughs> Big Ten West division game. I mean, really, that's very much on brand. They head into the horseshoe this Saturday, and I'm not sure they're going to have, um, let's say, the same passing efficiency on defense uh, maybe after Saturday. And I want to give Iowa their flowers while they have them. Six games into the season this year, um, they have the number two uh, rated passing defense in the nation and the, and the 24th rated rushing defense in the nation. Now, you say that's pretty impressive. It is. You know, they, they've uh, the best team they've played is Michigan, as as uh, as Tripp mentioned just a second ago. But other than that, really n not really much a note on their schedule. Start their season with a 10-7 loss to Iowa State. Uh, get a nice 27-0 win over a team called Nevada, which you will not find in a Power 5 conference. Uh, they get a great win at Rutgers, 27-10. Uh, and then two losses coming into the game this Saturday. One to get, one to Michigan in a 27 to 14 game, which wasn't as close either, really, as it sounds. Um, I, I mean, I don't, you know, want to give Michigan guff all we can, obviously. But they had an assistant coach go down on the sideline in the beginning of that game, kind of a scary scene. Uh, and it takes the second half for Michigan to reset and kind of get their bearings back under them. And then, obviously, as I mentioned last or two weeks ago, excuse me. Their loss on the road to their divisional opponent, Illinois, 9-6. to six. Uh, At no point in this season, right, have they uh, let an opponent score more than 27 points. I mean, we could use 30 as a round number. Uh, as I'm imagining this game on Saturday, I don't see how Ohio State scores less than 40. Um, this is going to it's gonna be a show-off game. You know, you got Jackson Smith and Jigba back on the field, as we mentioned before. We're going to want to make sure he gets his reps in because – it, we don't want to look past an opponent, right? Iowa never, hopefully never, ever again is a trap game for us like they were back in 2017. Uh, but we got Penn State waiting in the wings, you know, the week after this. So it's like, hey, let's get these guys healthy. 
Let's get our playmakers on the field. Mayan Williams, who had to sit out the game against Michigan State, he'll be back. So really, really planning on getting healthy. And I'm, uh, we're not gonna. It's not gonna be tested, but another thing to be looking at is Ohio State secondary, uh, getting a couple of their cornerbacks back against Iowa on Saturday. Adam, just any any takeaways you have right now? I mean, not a whole much more, a lot more to add other than it's it's time for the Buckeyes to keep you know acting the way we kind of think they should. I just I looked to a video that you secretly recorded of me um, taking a chip shot field goal at the Big Ten Championship a few years ago and missing it wide left. Well, my we'll tweet that out for the people. Well, we'll tweet my that father responded people. to that, and he said, no Ruggles is what he said, um, saying I'm not Noah Ruggles. But to look at the stat sheet, I see Noah Ruggles only a 66.7 completion percentage on field goals. Now he's only attempted three. And he's yeah, made this two year. Of them. I was going to say he's missed one. <laughs> yeah. Something we don't think about is how few field goals we have kicked to uh, begin the – so maybe that's something to look for. Maybe we give Noah a little practice in this Iowa game once we get the score up. But uh, Well, no. you know, who knows? Kirk always has a good game plan, and if he forces us to play small ball, you know, we might have to kick a few field goals. I don't think that's going to be the case, but, you know, you never know. Um, Jake, this this Iowa team, I mean, they're nationally known right now and not in a, in, in a bad way. I mean, j- just to say it, I mean – offensively pretty much inept. You, t- you kind of touched on the QB concerns. Why don't you just talk to us a little bit about kind of how you see the game going well, on Saturday? I, truthfully, I'm looking forward to it for obvious reasons, a, a chance to, I guess, get some pride back in terms of, of the Ohio State-Iowa uh, rivalry that's, that's became a thing in the last five years. But um, I, I think it's going to be a good challenge for our offense. I mean, for the most part, up to this point, our offense has – impose their will on everybody we've played. We've been able to do really whatever we've wanted, whether it's throwing the ball, running the ball, uh, getting touches to every receiver, getting deep into the running back room, getting guys touches. Um, But I think this is going to be a good test on defense uh, to see where our offense really stacks up against somebody who, who can play the defense uh, the way it's supposed to be played and not just let Ohio state do whatever they want to do. So uh, I I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, there, there's always the concern in the back of your head, you know, coming off of a bye week, did they do something different? Are, are they putting in some, some new schemes, some new looks? Are they going to come out with a big change coming into this week? Um, my senses tell me no. We're six weeks in and we haven't seen any changes from anything, um, whether that's, you know, personnel, whether that's, that's scheming, play calling, what have you. We haven't seen any of that, so I, I don't have any reason to believe that we're going to see that this week. Um, but, but all in all, I'm excited for it. I think the defense is going to give us a challenge and, and obviously looking to, looking to run up the score whenever we can. I, I totally agree with that, Jake. And, and, you know, thinking about the games we've had this season, obviously Notre Dame, I mean, that was like maybe the coolest opener of all time. Now they haven't lived up to the hype that we thought that they were going to have bad loss to Marshall. And then another one, I think it was Stanford, uh, last week, hopefully they're able to keep rallying and putting together a strong season to mark and Marcus Freeman's first year, but I wanted to say, I mean, other than the uniform and kind of the natural rivalry we had two weeks ago, you know, with Michigan State, that game always brings juice, like always get excited for it. You know, there, there's always those three kind of divisional games that we always have circled on the calendar just to get excited for. But man, outside of Notre Dame, Michigan State, I, I'm kind of with you there. I, I'm pretty excited to watch this Buckeye team take on this Iowa defense for nothing else. 
you know, you know that they're well coached. Iowa, I'm talking about. You know that the defense is well coached. You know they're going to play sound football. And man, they played a mean brand of defense so far this year. And I, I think if we're looking to, you know, we're not measuring ourselves against, you know, Big Ten West opponents anymore. We're measuring ourselves against Alabama and Georgia and heck, cough cough, maybe even Tennessee based on last week. Um, you know, th- this is the type of game where you can kind of show, you know, just how valuable this offense is. You know, this this defense for Iowa is the only reason they've won any game, you know, this year. And if if Ohio State can can essentially make them look like they've made the last six opponents look like, um, I think that that's just a great sign for the end of the season. And, you know, the thing that probably makes me the most confident, you know, number one, you really don't think Iowa can score at all. But obviously beyond that. This Ohio State offensive line, I think, has really been kind of an undersung uh, feature, you know, on this team as a whole. They are bulldozers out there. And if you take a look at the running game that we've had just the last handful of weeks, it seems like the line is growing together, getting more confident and just knocking defenses down. I really do think you're going to see quite a bit of the run game on Saturday. And then obviously, you know, the highlights to JSN and Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I hate to do this. We. I can't go back because we. I already kind of skipped over Michigan State. For those of you who didn't watch the game, maybe you did watch the game, go back and just look at the Marvin Harrison Jr. highlights for his three touchdowns. There, there's no way to describe them to do it justice. I mean, he's a professional wide receiver out there on the field with the way that he comes down with the ball. So all that to say, I think we're all kind of on the same page. You know, that not not too interesting really of a game on Saturday other than I think watching Ohio State's offense go against you know a pretty elite defense other than that I think we kind of know what we're getting it's all in the brochure you know Iowa they're not going to be able to put up a ton of points I think that their fan base would even tell you uh, they're looking to keep things close and not get embarrassed while they're on the road heading to Columbus Um, Adam why don't you take us into the gambling corner sure uh I don't know if we no. – oh, there it is. Oh. I, was lo- I was looking for the special effects. That's perfect. <laughs> um, or the Sopranos intro music. We'll get that for the next game. Um, going into the week, I wasn't on for the Gambling Corner last week, Ryan, to recap it. Uh, we've got Clay and Ryan both uh, on Washington State. It's a 12.5-point line. I'm sorry. Are you coming in? I'm not picking Did you up. check the score of that one? Because yeah. I don't think that – Washington State uh, won that game, right? I don't or know. No? I believe they did. <laughs> I, I believe know. they did. I believe USC <laughs> suffered their first loss, but that shows how how uh, tight I'm following the Pac-12 US. right now. Um, Keep going. We'll, we'll come back to that one. Red River rivalry. Clay and Ryan both took no, Texas. No, no. USC won that game. I got that one wrong. I'm thinking of somebody yeah. else. I thought I thought the USC just lost. Maybe they did. They played Utah, Adam. Utah. That's, we, we, that's that was over the bye week. That was over I'm the bye telling week. you, I couldn't tell you what day it is. All right, Red River rivalry. Clay and Ryan uh, both took Texas and uh, laid the points nine and a half. You've got it circled green again. Oh, Texas killed Oklahoma that. Adam, it was forty-nine to zero. I mean, come on. Yeah, nothing, nothing. All right, Ryan and Clay both took TCU against Kansas. Uh, Pretty sure they destroyed Kansas, but again, I don't have scores here. Um, We'll we'll let you uh, confirm that one. Iowa versus That's, Illinois. That was a push, 38-31. Uh, whose gambling corner is this, just so the folks at home know? It's tough when, when Adam is, is is in the tractor for the whole week and, and just doesn't have time to confirm these. But So we've got a – that's a push. It's highlighted green. It's highlighted green, which my uh, – the producer – we'll have to dock his pay <laughs> on that one. But 
Iowa versus Illinois is a three-point line. Ryan and Clay both took Illinois and laid the points, and I believe that was also a push. This is actually a pretty good week for Ryan and Clay. Uh, well, actually, did Clay take the Spartans? I don't have his name on this final gambling line. <laughs> so I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say Clay took the Spartans because he's a known communist, and he took the Spartans, and we ended up winning uh, by uh, 28. Ryan, you won on that one. Clay lost. Uh, we'll, we'll add up those totals at the national championship this year. Moving on to this week, gambling corner, Mississippi State, ranked 24th in the country this year, taking on number six, Alabama, who just lost on a last-second field goal to the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, it's a 21-point line. Um, mm, Mississippi State. Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Mike Leach. I'm gonna. I'm going to say Alabama comes back with a vengeance this week, and they uh, destroy this Mississippi State. But then the committee keeps Mississippi State in the top 25, so that Alabama has another top 25 win, even though they shouldn't be uh, ranked. But I Adam, be, are you uh, Adam? Are you paying attention to what's happening in your background? I mean, Big Al is walking around shirtless, left and right, back and forth. <laughs> I think on purpose. <laughs> and we're getting a, we're getting a shot of it here live. Um, Adam, I, I, himself. <laughs> I appreciate himself. the input. No appreciate problem. the so input I'll, there. I'll be yeah. doing Bamba and laying the points on that one. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's only two ways to go there, right? Do you believe Nick Saban can rally the troops after what was a pretty wild scene after uh, against Tennessee last Saturday? What does it look like rallying the troops? I think that the real answer here is Mississippi State. I think that Mike Leach has a pretty good team that can put up some points. Guys, Alabama's defense is not good. I mean, they have not shown anything so far this season that would make you believe that they can, you know, put up a full game of stops. Uh, Mike Leach likes scoring points, so for me, this is not really the teams. It's the number. 21 points is too many. Uh, give me Mississippi State because Bama just needs a win. You know, they got to find a way to win, and I think that's the way Saban's going to coach the game. It's going to be closer than that. Jake, uh, I, I agree with Ryan on that one. I think 21 points is too much. Uh, I'm going to ride with my guy, uh, Brandon Walker at Barstool Sports and, uh, and go with Mississippi <laughs> State. Love it. Fair enough. Moving on, we've got, uh, I think, the best Syracuse team since, uh, uh, was it Ernie Davis and the Express, that movie back from the 60s, that, that great story, that Brown's running back. Uh, they're ranked 14th in the country, undefeated, taking on Clemson, number five in the country. It's a 13-and-a-half-point spread. I don't think this Clemson team is uh, nearly as good as number five in the country. I think it's a solid team. I think they've got their own issues. I think that line is a little too much. Syracuse has got something really special this year, so I'm going to take the points in Syracuse on this one. Yeah, I don't know where to go on this one. Is Syracuse for real? You really hate you know, picking them as a team. I mean, it's not a basketball game, for goodness sake. Um I just I think that Clemson has quietly gotten a lot better through six games this year. I think that they're going to be kind of standing there at the end of the season. Either the they might have one loss. I don't know if this is the week that it'll come. It's probably the best team they might still have on the schedule uh, to finish the year out. I, I I don't know what it is. My gut's just telling me I'm going to lay the points down. Give me Dabo and the boys getting it done. Okay. I'm gonna. 
see, this goes back to family ties. My father-in-law is also a Clemson fan, and I refuse to root for Clemson. So, uh, unbelievable. to be fair, his parents live in South Carolina, not very far, but I, I don't think that's a very good excuse. So, uh, give me Syracuse. He's an that's Iowa Clemson they, fan. That, that's, that's a bad He's, talk he's the one. He, he's that he's guy, the yeah. one. Yeah. That's bad news. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Uh, go Syracuse. Iowa at Ohio State. It's a 30 point line. Ryan. What are what is uh, Iowa's defense averaging per game? Did we talk about that already? How many uh, points per game the defense is averaging? You know, allowing. Um, they are giving up on average nine point eight points a game. All right. So the question is, can Ohio State triple or quadruple the season average of that Iowa defense? I say yes. I think we're going to win this game. Something in the range of forty to seven, maybe forty to ten. And either of those will come off of turnovers that Ohio State gave to Iowa. Uh, I've got Ohio State covering pretty comfortably. I just don't see a world where Ohio State walks off the field scoring less than 42 points, I think, um, on Saturday. I mean, it could happen, obviously. Stranger things do. The The real problem I think Iowa is going to run into is their offense isn't going to keep Ohio State's offense off the field. You know, it's not the points that to be concerned about. It's... Hey, if their if their offense isn't getting any first downs, how many reps is that giving C.J. Stroud and those receivers to get back on the field to keep scoring? And I think you know if you just think about it in that way, um, unless they're getting some real pressure early on C.J. you know back there in the pocket, I think it's going to be a long day for Iowa. Um, I'm going to lay the points down. Okay, Triple, what do you got? I've I've got to be honest. This line makes me. I'm assuming you're out of no, Iowa. For this, I, one. this line makes me nervous because if I recall back to 2017, I think it was 24 or 27. So I'm not going to go there. So give me bucks by a million. Not not even bucks. Not even bucks <laughs> all day. Iowa's by offense is like the is like the number three seat French horn in the high school band. They got to play better. They got to play better. <laughs> but not Saturday. Not good enough for the talent show. Not yet. Well, with that, um, I think that's all we got. Jake, do you have anything else to no, share for the I, good I folks at home? you guys having me on. Always a, always a joy to get to talk to you two and uh, especially talk Buckeye football. Beautiful. Soon to be return guest, I'm sure. We'll call you back up the next time the boys are playing that state over there in the, in the west with the deep, deep, deep topsoil. Adam, anything else uh, for the folks at home? You're all, you're all good, ready to roll. Well, for those of you listening, we appreciate you each week tuning into this podcast. Once again, if you share it with just one other person, we'll go from 1 million subscribers to 2 million subscribers. It's really great. We'll start, you know, really bouncing up those charts. Uh, just send it to one person, one, one Buckeye fan that you think might be remotely interested in listening to a couple chuckleheads talk about some Ohio State football. With that, for the good folks at home, for Adam, for everyone, for, for Urban Meyer, coming back to Columbus uh, this this Saturday to host Fox Noon Kickoff, Big Noon Kickoff, taking place right outside of the stadium. Uh, if you're coming to Columbus, enjoy the day. I think we're going to have some pretty good weather on Saturday. I hope we do. It's a noon kick. Uh, if you're not coming to Columbus, get outside this weekend. Enjoy the nice weather while we have it. Um, this is the best time, I think, of the whole year to live in the great state of Ohio. And with that, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Bullet Saga.
Saturday in the Superdome. They're coming in. Cook Paris. We're going to tell you the whole seed. Robert Harrison Jr. is going to score three touchdowns this Saturday from CJ Stroud, the American Dream, Dusty Wood. It's all going to be over.